Luke chapter 1, verses 1 through 38. And as much as many have undertaken to compile a narrative of the things that have been accomplished among us, just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word have delivered them to us, it seemed good to me also, having followed all things closely for some time past, to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, that you may have certainty concerning the things you have been taught. In the days of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah of the division of Abijah, and he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in the commandments and statutes of the Lord. But they had no child, because Elizabeth was barren, and both were advanced in years. Now while he was serving as priest before God, when his division was on duty, according to the custom of the priesthood, he was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And the whole multitude of the people were praying outside at the hour of incense. And there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And Zechariah was troubled when he saw him, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard. And your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great before the Lord. And he must not drink wine or strong drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to their children, and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just, to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. And Zechariah said to the angel, How shall I know this? For I am an old man, and my wife is advanced in years. And the angel said to him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I was sent to speak to you and bring you this good news. And behold, you will be silent and unable to speak the day that these things take place, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time. And the people were waiting for Zechariah, and they were wondering at his delay in the temple. And when he came out, he was unable to speak to them. And they realized that he had seen a vision in the temple, and he kept making signs to them and remained mute. And when his time of service was ended, he went to his home. After these days, his wife Elizabeth conceived, and for five months she kept herself hidden, saying, Thus the Lord has done for me in the days when he looked on me, to take away my reproach among people. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary, and he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at you, saying, and, she, and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be, most, he will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him to the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth, in her old age, has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her, who is called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be according to your word. And the angel departed from her. When we come to a, a time of season, think about deer season, usually there's preparation before deer season. Um, a hunter is scouting, looking for some scrapes, or he's looking for some, some rubs, seeing where the, 
the acorn trees are made for a deer hunter. He's putting this deer stand in the, in the tree or just kind of scouting out the area. Duck season, I don't know. Um, you're getting all your equipment together. That's one expensive season, I'm sure, there. Uh, football season, I don't know about that either. I guess you're buying all your stuff you put on the side of a vehicle. Uh, but when we come into to Christmas season, uh, we don't typically think about preparing for it in advance. It just happens on Christmas. We go shopping. Maybe we think about you know, the money we're going to spend. Other than other preparations than that, I'm not sure we think a lot about it. Uh, and I haven't thought a lot about it until, until I knew I was going to preach this. And, and we mentioned the, the word Advent. So I looked it up. And um, the four weeks before Christmas is when Advent begins. And each week there's a focus uh, as you consider Advent. And, and, the, and Advent means the coming. So it's the coming of Christ. Christ is on His way. Um, Christ is going to be born. That's what we celebrate Christmas is the birth of Christ. So Advent is, is to prepare our hearts, to prepare us for that time. I guess you could call it a season, uh, but it's just a preparedness of ourselves. Um, this week, week one's focus is on hope or promise. The hope of Christ, the hope of a Messiah who is coming, the promise that's been made and the, and the promise that will be fulfilled in Christ. Week two, just to let you know for what's coming up, preparation. This is waiting or a prophecy. Uh, we're waiting on Christ's fulfillment, waiting on Christ fulfilling the, um, the task that He was being sent to earth to do. He's fulfilling that task. Week three is joy or peace. We have joy and peace in Christ and, and our salvation through Him. We have joy and peace knowing that God has been faithful to His Word and God's prophesied this, but God is also bringing it to come about. And also week four is love and adoration. So these are the things we think about leading up to Christmas. It's not just about presents. It's about how God's given us a present in His Son, Jesus Christ. It's about His providing for us. Christmas, we think about giving presents and, and also getting presents. Um, so our focus sometimes can be on those things rather than on Christ, who is the greatest gift we've ever, we've ever received. Uh, God's, God Himself gave His Son so that we can have salvation, have a relationship with Him. So as we consider these things, this is kind of a, our season to prepare. This week is, is joy. And so uh, in your bulletin, there's uh, a link in there if you want to go to it this week. There's, there's a link in there you can go to each week. It's got a focus. It even has some songs in there that kind of focus on on these themes that I just mentioned. Uh, and this week is hope. And so today we're going to be in Luke 1 talking about the hope we have in Christ's uh, announcement of His being his birth. And so that'll be our focus this week. Uh, last week there were some links in there as well. So if you have last week's bulletin, you can look through there and see those as well. Uh, so as, as Christmas caroling feels like Christmas, that's, that, that's what Chris said a minute ago. I, I can understand that. That's, that's the preparation of now it feels like Christmas. Maybe you get past Thanksgiving and now it feels like Christmas. We had our tree up early this year for the first time, I think. So it's been Christmas in our house for a couple of weeks. But, um, but it's... Advent is a time to call us to remember to, to think about these things. So today we're going to be in Luke 1. Uh, we recognize the hope and promise that we find in the announcement of the coming of Christ. So let's look at this first chapter of Luke. Luke uh, was not expressly mentioned. He didn't expressly mention himself as the author of these books, but we get that from some other text. We get it from uh, Paul mentioned Luke in Colossians. Um, now he was a physician. Uh, Luke is, is very detailed in his description, his, in his um, explanation of this to Theophilus. Uh, the reason he wrote this was so that Theophilus could have certainty in the things that he's been taught, the things he's already learned, 
Luke's desire was for him to have certainty in that thing, certainty in, in the understanding of Christ. Same thing we, we do here. Essentially, you, you read a text or you hear something, and, and what do we do? We use a scripture to provide certainty for those things that we've learned and where we're teaching. And Luke did that. He used uh, some, some probably Matthew and Mark as he wrote his book. Uh, he, he spoke to eyewitnesses. Luke uh, wasn't there uh, with Christ, but he was with Paul and Paul's journey some. And so, so Luke did some research. Uh, he, he did this research, some diligent research. He spoke to the eyewitnesses, and he's also, not just to mention those things, but he's been divinely inspired to write this text. So he could have written this text without those things, but those, using those things gives credence to, to what he's doing. He's using uh, those things to, to solidify uh, what he's telling Theophilus about the certainty of, of Christ and, and him. Uh, so he uses his own words, Old Testament texts, eyewitnesses, and likely Matthew and Mark, he used those, those books as well uh, for, his, for his book. So we look at that in the, in the first four verses. He says that you may have certainty concerning the things you've been taught. Theophilus, Theophilus was um, a well-respected person, someone of renown in that, in that time by the way he addressed him. Called him uh, most excellent Theophilus. It's not just a regular guy. So it's somebody who had some kind of authority or some type of prominence in the society. Um, so Luke was doing this to, to give him assurance of, his, of what he's been taught. We see in verses 5 through 12, we have an, an account of Zechariah the priest and, and his wife Elizabeth. Uh, Zechariah was uh, it's his turn to, to serve in the temple and the lot fell that it was his turn to, to work with the, the inc- to, to replace the incense burning. And so this wasn't just an ordinary task. This was something that only a priest could do once in their life. It wasn't a common thing they, they were able to do. And it wasn't, um, uh, it wasn't something that it was, a, it was, a, a, it was a, a thing of joy for one to be able to do this as a priest. So the lot fell. And that makes us realize that this isn't just a, a common thing. The Lord uses things in our lives to, for His will to happen. There's no coincidences. It's not a coincidence that you're here today. It's not a coincidence that you're in the family you're in, church family, but also your, your physical family. It's not a coincidence in the job that you're, that you're working or the jobs you've worked or the jobs you will work. The Lord's hand is in and over all those things in our life. Scripture teaches that, that the Lord is sovereign. The Lord is the one who um, chooses these times. The Lord is the one who... Uh, provides the good things in our life. He also provides or allows difficult times to come. And these things are there to, uh, to mold us into the image of Christ. They're there to, to make us more into the image of Christ and, and so that He will be glorified through those things. But we see that uh, the Zacharias um, and his wife were righteous before the Lord. They look forward to the appearance of the Messiah. They love the Lord. Now, Christ hasn't come yet, so they, you wouldn't say that they're Christian, but they're looking forward to the Messiah. So they're believers. They're, they're trusting in the Lord. They're righteous because of their faith in the Lord, looking ahead. But does this righteousness that they have, this, this trust in the Lord, prevent them from having difficulty in their life? No. There's, the Bible talks about her being barren. When we think about barrenness in, the, in Scripture, especially in Jerusalem or in Israel, it was a difficult thing. Um, a Jewish scholar said this, Professor, Professor Joseph Baden says this, The experience of infertility in ancient Israel was utterly crushing. Rachel's word choice, disgrace, think about Rachel and Jacob. This is Rachel's uh, wording from the Old Testament in Genesis. Rachel's word choice, disgrace, both in Hebrew and English, is a social term. There could be no disgrace 
without other people before whom one feels shame, without other people to do the shaming, such shaming was often based in the notion that infertility was divine punishment. So being infertile, not having a baby, being barren at this time was, was viewed by, by your neighbors and your friends as the Lord is judging you. You've got something wrong in your life. You've done something wrong or the Lord is, is, is displeased with you. So this is what Elizabeth was feeling. But how did God describe her? She was righteous and she loved the Lord. She was obedient to the Lord in, in her endeavors. So this was a difficulty in their life. It also says that they were advanced in years. Makes you think about who? Abraham and Sarah. Sarah was infertile. She didn't have babies until the Lord provided. So there's several examples. We have Sarah and Abraham, Rachel and Jacob, Hannah and Elkanah. Those are three examples that the Lord opened their, her womb and provided a baby. Took away their disgrace as they, as they felt uh, in that time. Uh, so we see that Elizabeth and no doubt Zacharias felt this in their lives as well. Their life of devotion to the Lord did not prevent them from going through difficult times. Just because they are trusting in the Lord doesn't mean difficult times won't come. These difficult times, even in our life, uh, my mother passed away a little over a month ago. And so I was able to speak at the funeral. But, but the thing that, that, that caused us to remember the state that we're in is that death is present. Bad things happen. Why do these things happen? It's because of the fall of man. These things are happening because of our own doing, really. Adam and Eve sinned, yeah, but they didn't cause me to sin. That's, that's myself. And so these things in our life remind us that our hope and our satisfaction in our life here is not based on things we have here. It's based on something else. It's based on Christ. It's based on uh, a coming of Christ. And we see that today in, in Luke, that Christ is being announced. Pain, suffering, and death are things that we go through as well. However, recognize our hope is not in this world, uh, but in the one who created all things and who will one day make all things right. Uh, just because you're a believer doesn't mean that you will avoid pain, discomfort, or heartache, but be encouraged for in his time, he will make all things right. Being a Christian doesn't give you your best life now, as someone's written a book. No. We have hope and salvation in our future life that starts now. But it's not, it doesn't guarantee you everything's going to be all, um, I was going to say guns and roses. It's not going to be all flowers and roses now. <laughs> I was thinking about Phil and his, uh, his 1980s uh, songs. Uh, it's not going to be guns and roses right now. Now, it's not going to be all, everything's not going to be perfect now. But our hope is not in things being perfect now. Our hope is that Christ is making us perfect. He's making us into His image. He's making us into the image of Himself. And one day, one day all things will be made right. Even nature has been cursed with this curse because of sin. But one day it will be made right as well. So we see the, the Lord's providence. They cast a lot. So it fell on Zacharias. Uh, this duty was not something that, that was taken lightly. It was something that uh, was an honor but it wasn't something that was supposed to take very long either. It says the hour of incense, so it's not going to be a very long time. They're, he's going there to do that and then come back out, and everybody needs to, to bless them, and they go on with their business. So everybody's wondering what's going on. While he's inside, he sees an angel standing there at the altar. Zacharias was experiencing something that no one else in his time had experienced. We think about Luke is talking about the, the coming announcement of Christ, but it since the last prophet, Malachi, it's been 400 years. So there's been no word from Christ, no word from God in 400 years. 
None of his friends, none of his other priests have seen an angel. None of them have experienced this. None of them have had a word from the Lord to, to tell anybody else what's going on. So he's the first one. And then when it happens to him, because of disbelief, he can't even say anything. Because he disbelieved. He didn't believe that, that these things were going to happen. He didn't trust um, fully that these things should, should be done like the Gabriel, Gabriel told him. Um, he was afraid, which is a common reaction. When you look through the Scripture, we see angels appearing to folks. Often there's fear. Uh, even sometimes they're falling down on the ground. Gabriel tells him not to be afraid, which is often what the angels said in Scripture whenever they do appear, that his prayer has been heard and the Lord will give him a son. So what prayer? Probably the prayer that he's going to have a child. He's been barren. This has been something that's been burdening them for years, burdening his wife. I know that's been... I've had friends that it's been a difficult time. I know every year during Mother's Day and Father's Day, I got five kids, so I'm feeling guilty because I got so many kids, but I got friends who, who couldn't have them. And so you kind of tiptoe through those, those holidays because you, you want to love them, you want to be considerate of them and, and their feelings. So it's, it's a difficult time for many folks. So they've been praying through this. He's been praying that the Lord provide even into the old age that, he's, that He is. I don't know how old He is. Probably older than me, but probably not as old as Mike Hartsfield. <laughs> but possibly. You never know. <laughs> um, but His prayer has been heard. And His name will be John. And John means Jehovah has shown grace. And what a name for your child that, that the Lord's going to provide, that the Jehovah has shown grace. Uh, he also describes John this way. He will be great. He will be great and, and that he, many will, will rejoice in His coming. Uh, this is foreshadowing John's role. John's role is to, to be the, the one who, who heralds the, the coming of Christ. He's the one, the voice calling in the wilderness. So this is a great thing that John is, is doing. A lot of people thought he's crazy too, but... Uh, but as the Lord looks at him, he's a great man. He's, he is, has a high and mighty task to, to call out that Christ is coming behind him. Um, let's read verses 15 through 17. I'll read them out loud. For he will be great before the Lord, and he must not drink wine or soft drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. Now think about that. The children of Israel to the Lord their God. Israel, we know, is God's chosen people. At this time, God is, has protect, protected them, preserved them. He's chosen them. But it says He's turning them to the Lord their God. All right? Similar to those who are in church. Doesn't mean you're a Christian. All right? You can be here day in and day out and come often and, and give and go through the motions but it doesn't mean that you've been turned to the Lord. It may be you just, you've changed your actions and your attitudes to match those who are here, but has there been a transformation within your heart? So John is calling the people of Israel to the Lord, <coughs> turning them back to the Father. That's his role. That's his task before, as he's calling out to prepare the way for Christ, he's, he's calling them back to the Lord. Uh, verse 17, And he will go, bo go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah and turn the hearts of the fathers to the children, the disobedient to the wisdom, to the just, and make ready for the Lord a people prepared. He's preparing the people for the Lord's coming. He's preparing them to, calling them to repent, calling them to turn to the Lord, to trust in the Lord. A couple things here. He will be great. He has a great purpose. He's chosen by the Lord for a task. He's going to be great. Christ even calls him a, a, a great man. In Matthew 11, 
Uh, Jesus says this, Truly I say to you, among, these, among those born of women, there is arisen no one greater than John the Baptist. For all the prophets and the law prophesied until John. And if you're willing to accept it, he is Elijah who is to come, who has ears to hear, let him hear. So he's saying this is the voice of Elijah calling out. And Malachi talked about Elijah would come, come before him and, and be a voice and, and calling the people. And so he says this, Jesus said, this is the voice of Elijah calling out. John the Baptist is a great, a great figure, according to Jesus as well. And these verses, in verses 15 through 17, we also see language used by the prophet Malachi. <coughs> in Malachi 3, it says, Behold, I send my messenger, and he will prepare the way from me. And the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to this temple, and the messenger of the covenant of whom you delight. Behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. Behold, I will send you Elijah, the prophet, before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. The great and awesome day of the Lord is when Christ comes. And, this, and John the Baptist is Elijah who he's speaking about. And he will turn the hearts of the fathers of children and the heart of children to the fathers, lest I come and strike the land with a decree of utter destruction. So he's got a, a role he's fulfilling. So the hope and promise that we have in the coming Messiah is found in an announcement by John the Baptist. And the, the, the announcement of the birth of John the Baptist, the blessing from the Lord to Zacharias and Elizabeth, um, it is also found in the testimony of Christ himself when he spoke about John. So we see this hope and this promise in this season that Christ is coming, that Christ is going to be here. But even before that, that the one who will herald the coming of Christ is here, John the Baptist. Remember Luke's purpose is to provide certainty to Theophilus so he fully understands what he's been taught about Christ. Using the Old Testament scriptures, using um, the eyewitnesses, and using his own words, he's doing this to provide certainty about what he's heard about Christ. Uh, the hope that the Old Testament believers had has come to pass. That's the hope. The hope is here. The entirety of Scripture is pointing to Christ and His kingdom, and that Christ is the fulfillment of Old Testament Scriptures and our hope of salvation. The Old Testament is not the first plan, and then Christ is, well, that plan didn't work, the, the law, so now Christ is going to be the, the one who's going to make it right. The law is there to point out our sin, to show us that we can't do it, and our only hope is in Christ Jesus. That's the plan from the beginning. Christ is the one who's the fulfillment of the law. He's done those righteous things. He, he lived a righteous life, fulfilled a righteous life, fulfilled the law, so that when we put our trust in Him, His righteousness is given to us. He took our sin on the cross, but His righteousness that He lived and, and, and was His essence... We now have that before Christ. When God looks at us, He doesn't see a, a sinner. If you're a believer, He sees the righteousness of Christ in you. It's a mystery. We don't understand it all, but it's, man, what a blessing God's given us. That's why we call it in Hebrews, it's called a great salvation. We can't neglect this great salvation that God's provided for us in Christ Jesus. In verses 18 through 25, we see disbelief in Zacharias. Verses 18 through 25, it seems that Zacharias is still trying to process the information. He's, he's not getting what, uh, what Gabriel's telling him. Because of his doubt, though, he becomes mute. He's not able to speak. So this news that he's heard, this great news and this, this wonderful thing that he's heard, he's not even able to share it because he's, been, he's become mute because of it. And how long was he mute? For 10 months at least. Until the baby was born, until it's time to name the baby. And he said, bring him a tablet. And he wrote his name, John. And then he's able to speak. 
So this wonderful thing that he's been given, he's not able to share because of disbelief. What if that happened to us? What if the Lord's promised something to us and through Scripture that, that we often neglect and we oh, I don't believe that. Like He's going to provide for our needs. And what if we lost our voice? It'd be a quiet world, I think, a lot of times because we don't, we don't fully trust a lot of times in what the Lord's telling us in Scripture. We don't fully trust in what Scripture's revealed. I'm not saying you get a new, a new revelation. There's no new revelation. Revelation we have is in Scripture. There's no new revelation given anymore. But it's what we have in Scripture. Trust what the Word says. Trust what the Lord's given us in Scripture. I'm not, I'm not praying for anybody to be mute or myself, but what if that happened? All right, verse 20, But behold, you will be mute and not able to speak until the day these things take place, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their own time. In their own time is a key thing that we see in Scripture. The Lord's timing is perfect. He's never slack. He's never slow. He's never early. His timing is perfect. Everything He does is right. There's nothing He does that's wrong. These, these things are give us a biblical worldview of how we understand Scripture, how we understand everything around us. That's how we're able to get through life because we recognize that the Lord's in control. Those things that, that come to us that, are, that we can't bear, He can bear. Loss of a loved one, loss of a spouse or, or child, a job, financial issues, all these things. People, some people say, He's not going to give you more than you can bear. Well, that's not accurate. That's not scriptural. He does. But with Him, He can bear it through us. We're able to bear it through Him, I mean. So, it, so those things happen not because we can do it ourselves, but with the strength of Christ, we're able to get through those things. He gives us strength. He gives us a spirit to get through those things. The Lord will accomplish His will in His timing. Intellectually, we understand this, but it's hard sometimes as we're going through it to, to remember those things. Remember, His Word is more than our, more than our intellect. His Word is, is wisdom that we can't comprehend. So we need to rely on His Word uh, more than our own intellect and what we can understand. Our feelings may tell us something differently, but we should not rely on our feelings, but rely on His Word uh, we see Scripture a number of times referring to God's timing in the fullness of time. Christ came in the fullness of time. Uh, so many, may we learn to trust Him during those waiting times. Uh, after completing His time of service in the temple, uh, not long afterward, He, he went uh, and was with Elizabeth and they became pregnant. And uh, in verse 25, her response says, He looked on me to take away the reproach among people. Her disgrace had been removed because of the Lord's grace, gracious act toward her. Now, but why did the Lord do this for her? Was it just about Elizabeth? Just about Zacharias? No, His picture, His plan is beyond Elizabeth and Zacharias. His picture, the grand scheme of things, is John's going to be the herald of Christ. This is more about Christ than it is about them. He should be glorified through this, but it's not just about His, his grace to them. It's about Christ is coming. When we think about David and how he's a picture of Christ, he's a type of Christ, but he's not the one that we're looking for. We're looking for the true Messiah. We're looking for Jesus, the true Messiah of God. And that's, that is the purpose why uh, his grace was on her. She hid herself after five, for five months, though. Um, 
What we see here at work here is the Lord's grace allowing her to become pregnant. But the purpose of this happening is beyond Elizabeth's immediate circumstances. The Lord is working toward a greater purpose. The child will be the one who heralds the coming of the king. So when good things happen to you, it's not necessarily about you. The Lord's grace is good to you. The Lord is good and He's sufficient. He provides all, our, all the good things that we ever have. But it's about Him. It's about His glory that we glorify. We just finished Thanksgiving. That we give thanks to Him for the things He's given us. That we thank Him for who He is, even in difficult times. That's why in difficult times we're to give thanks as well because He is the one that sustains us. He's the one that, that's able to pull us through. And in those difficult times when we thank Him, again, that brings glory back to the Lord. It's not about us. It's about the Lord and His glory. So this story is included because it's about the coming of Christ. Without Christ coming, the birth of John the Baptist would be just as insignificant as my birth, as anybody else's birth. But it's about Christ coming, so it's a significant, a significant part of Scripture. All of history is hinged on the coming of Christ, including His birth, death, and resurrection. All of history is pointing to that. That's what's important. Not about John the Baptist, though he was a key figure. So all of this information about John is ultimately about who? It's about Jesus. John gets there before Jesus gets there. So it's John is there to, to herald the coming of Christ. So it's about Jesus, not really about John. Verses 26 through 33, uh, Gabriel's visiting Mary. After six months of being pregnant, Elizabeth's been pregnant for six months now, Gabriel appears again. So this is the second account we have of an angel appearing um, to someone after 400 years of silence. And then we see that uh, he tells her, the Lord is with her and she is highly favored. Uh, she's full of grace. The way this is phrased is not that she's full of grace to dole out on other folks, but that the Lord has blessed her. He's been gracious to her. She's a recipient of grace, just like we are. That's why as Christians, we don't pray to, to Mary or to the saints. We, we pray to the Lord Jesus. He's the only human that we pray to. He's human and God, God-man. Fully human is not God, and fully God is if not human. So He is the one we pray to. He's the one that, that we call upon for our needs. We don't go to anyone else. We go to, straight to Jesus. He's the God-man. Mary didn't know how to take this announcement, was this announcement and was troubled. And similarly to um, Zacharias, he told her not to be afraid. There is a difference in, in how she handled this, it appears, though, because she wasn't rebuked for her difficulty in understanding. Um, she knew she would become pregnant and that it was pretty imminent. It's going to happen pretty soon. Um, verses 32 through 33 says this, He will be great. He will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. In his kingdom there will be no end. We just went through, we're not really f finished with it, really. Second um, Samuel, David from the, from the pasture to the, what's the, what's the title of that series? Pasture to the throne. Pastor, pasture to the throne. So David, there's a Davidic covenant where God has promised you will have an heir on the, the throne forever. This, this verse should remind you of that. This verse is, is calling us back to remember, this is the one who would reign forever. Become the Son of the Most High. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and His kingdom will be no end. It's the consummation of the Davidic covenant. Jesus is the one whom the covenant pointed. He's the one who will rule forever. His kingdom will have no end. It's pointing to Christ. This is the fulfillment. That's why there's hope in this. That's why there's, there's, there's joy in the coming of Christ because of the hope that's being fulfilled in Christ. 
This is the hope that's been foretold. And even though the Jews had great difficulty in recognizing it, uh, Jesus is the Messiah, that's exactly who He is. And Romans explains that the Jews rejected Christ so that it's open up to the Gentiles. We are beneficiaries of the Jews rejecting Christ. But it doesn't end there. The, the intention is that Jews reject Christ, open salvation up to the Gentiles. Then the Gentiles have Christ and the Jews see what they're missing and they come back to Christ as well. So the, the desire and the, 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 the plan of the Lord is that it's open up to all nations, all, king, all kingdoms, every tribe and nation will glorify Christ, but the Jews will one day come back and recognize Christ as, as the Messiah as well. Uh, this is the hope that's been foretold. Um, salvation is open up to the Gentiles. Uh, the promised hope of a Savior has come, and His name is Jesus. So the, the, the theme of this week is hope. The promised hope has come. It's Jesus. He's the hope that we have. It's not in hope and presence at, at the end of Christmas, and then we get to Christmas Day. It's not in hope and hope I get what I get. But hope when we talk about Christ is a sure thing. It's not something we're doing. He is hope. He is the hope that we have. He's the sure thing that can be trusted and, and He uh, will make it come to, to pass. His salvation and the, the righteousness we have in Christ. Uh, verse 34 through 8, Mary didn't understand how this could happen, but her question was more of wonder. Another, ver another text says she pondered these things in her heart. So she's, she's in wonder and amazement about what's going to happen. She knows it's supposed to be pretty imminent, but what's happening with her? She's not even married. She's still a virgin. How's this going to happen? Rather than doubt or disbelief, since she was not rebuked by Gabriel, she understood this would happen imminently, but her betrothal time was not near complete. So in wonder, she questioned Gabriel. Uh, verses 34 through 38 said this, And Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I'm a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child will be born... The child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her also, with her who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Sometimes in life, we just need to trust the Lord's wisdom and plan. Believing that He will accomplish it even as we wonder in amazement about how, how He'll accomplish it. Think about the situation that, that Mary's in. She's not married, and she's a virgin, and she's getting this information. Lord, how's this going to happen? I don't understand. We see two announcements of pregnancies at Scripture today, one for the herald of the king, the other for the Messiah. These announcements are bringing the hope found in Messiah, Jesus um, let's look at the, the two different analysis. One to Elizabeth, who is married, who's wanted children, who hasn't been able to have children. So let's, let's, let's kind of compare them a little bit. These announcements, this is how the Lord spoke after 400 years. These announcements are kind of key, uh, I would think, right? He hadn't spoken in 400 years, and this is announcing the, the, the Lord coming. So these are key announcements. One to a barren woman who had been ridiculed because of her barrenness, though she was a righteous woman who loved the Lord, she was ridiculed, accused, and shamed. Unduly. Wasn't anything she had done. Wasn't her fault or her parents' fault. The Lord's plan. What about some things in your life that 
Maybe you've been ridiculed for some difficult times in your life that, man, this just doesn't seem fair. The Lord's sovereign over these things as well. How can you glorify Him in those situations? How can I glorify Him in those situations? This announcement will bring relief from her disgrace. Would you say this is a blessing? Yeah, what a blessing. She's getting relief from that. She's been faithful, had difficult times, but now she's getting relief. That's one announcement. Think about Mary, though. The second one to a virgin who was only betrothed to be married, what thoughts were going through her head? How would people respond to this announcement? Would they be rejoicing in knowing she's pregnant? Mm, not really. What would her testimony, would her testimony of still being a virgin be believed? Probably not. How many would never believe her testimony? Quite a few. If we think about 30 years later, they're accusing Jesus. They say, we know who our father is. Hinting what? We don't know who your father is. We don't trust it as God. So for 30 years plus, she's been dealing with these questions. Her child's been accused. The Lord has been accused. She's been accused of being either that they were, had sex before marriage or that she was not faithful to Joseph. One of those things. But they're questioning her morality. But this is the Lord's will. Sometimes in our life, the Lord will allow things to come that put us in difficult situations. Whether, whether we're wanting these, this blessing to be out of it, but the Lord sees to it that this difficult time is coming. But why? Again, for His glory. You're going to say, may it's not, may it's not, that's not fair. Maybe it's not a good thing to, to happen. But think about the, the blessing Mary has and being the mother of the Lord Jesus Christ. Is it worth the ridicule? Yeah. So both of these situations, we see a blessing. This is a blessing for her as well. Even after 30 plus years when they were trying to, to test Jesus, they said uh, they knew who their father was, casting again doubt on who his father was. So the life she is being called to will be a life of ridicule for the sake of Christ. What is it a blessing? Yes. What a blessing she has. Ridiculed for the sake of Christ. It's for the glory of the Lord. As we consider those lives and those callings the Lord's given them, what about our life? Our, our life is very similar to Mary's that we're called to a life of ridicule for the Lord. We're called, Jesus said, if they hated me, they're going to do what? They're going to hate you. If we're not experiencing that in our life, and I don't experience that, occasionally somebody will say something to me, but it's not like I'm about to be killed. I'm not going to be tortured. But if we're not experiencing some type of thing like that, maybe we're not outspoken enough. Maybe we're not being as trusting in, in our words with others. Maybe we're not witnessing enough. Maybe we're not going after those who are lost. I know I'm not there. I don't do what I should. If I did, I'd have more ridicule. Not saying that we should have bad testimonies. Our testimony within church should be good, like our testimony outside the church should be good. We should still have good testimonies, but there should be some type of persecution that we're going through because of our faith in Christ. Some type of uncomfortable feeling. Even more than that, really. You know, a life of ridicule she had. We, we should be partaking in that to some degree. Um, 
So what about you and me? Let's consider the calling God, God's given us in our life. In coming to Christ, we confess that we don't have it together, that we're messed up, and that we need someone to save us because we can't save ourselves. If you're a believer, this is something you've done in your life. You've confessed this sin in your life. You've recognized that you can't do it. You've recognized that only Christ can do it. And you've put your faith on what Christ did on the cross, not on your own abilities, not on your own behaviors, not on your own actions that you can do to, to get there. That is, this is what salvation looks like. We recognize we're not there, that Christ is it, and we turn to Him by faith. That's what it looks like. This isn't a popular uh, among the world. We ought not be surprised. Jesus said that this will be the life of those who follow Him. Our testimony should be, get, should be good within the church and outside the church. When, this, when that happens, we should also view our life as a ridicule as a blessing as well, just like Mary. Not sure how well she viewed it. She was sin, sinner just like us. But this is the life that she was called to and what she experienced and we should view as a blessing as well. May we be willing to be ridiculed for His sake. May I be willing for that to happen in my life. Um, if I'm willing for that to happen, I'll be more bold in my witness. I'll go out of my way to, to make sure that I, I share the good news of Christ with others no matter what they, I think they're going to receive it or, or reject it. It's not about what they do. It's about that I'm called to, to share. And the results are up to the Lord. We sang a, a song a little bit ago. I'll never know how much it cost to see my sin upon the cross. God knows. Christ knows what He, what he paid. He paid for His life. And we um, have the, the privilege of sharing that good news with others. We once were enemies of the cross. We once were enemies of God and, and someone shared the news with us. And the Lord was gracious and He granted us salvation, granted us faith. May the Lord use us in that, in that as well. Uh, it may be that you've never turned your life over to Christ. It may be that you are listening to me, but you don't really understand what I'm saying. Maybe you're thinking about preparing for deer season. Or maybe, maybe you're thinking about fishing season next year. I don't know. He is the hope not just for this season, uh, but for all eternity. He's not just one option out of many. Not just one option. He's the only hope that you have. <coughs> for those of us who are believers, uh, it's our prayer that you put your faith in Christ, that you recognize your state of, of rejection of Christ, recognize your, your state of um, inability to, to do anything apart from Christ and, and submit to Him. Confess your sin and by faith turn to Him to be saved. Many of us are here every week. It may be that you're here every week and, and you still haven't done this. Turn your life to Christ. Turn from your sin and put your, your faith in Him that, that He's the one that, that has paid for that sin. The sin's going to be paid for one day. As believers, Christ has paid for it. Those who, who have not believed, there's still a mountain of sin that's building up. And that sin is going to be paid for one day by you unless your faith is in Christ. Turn from your sin and turn to Christ not simply because you need your sins forgiven. That's a good enough reason. But because He's worthy of us turning to Him. He's worthy of us submitting our, our whole life to Him. There's great salvation He's offered. There's great salvation He's paid for and He's provided and, and He holds out to us to, to take it's not something we should reject. It's a, man, what a blessing God's given us even to, to have the opportunity to be saved. Um, 
What a great time it would be for you to put your hope in Christ at this Advent time of the year, which calls us to remember Christ at Christmas. If you haven't done that, please come see me. Please come see many, many folks here. Find somebody and say, who can I talk to? But put your faith in Christ. And if your faith is in Christ during this time of the year, think about the hope that we have in Christ. Think about Christmas in a different way than we have in the past. I need to. Sometimes I think, man, i got to pay for some presents. Things like that. But man, it's, think about the present that God's given us in salvation. The present of Christ here with us. God dwelling with us. Alright, so come see me if, if you want to talk about it or anybody else and, and we can walk through that with you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for Christ. We thank you for this announcement that we've heard today about John the Baptist. But ultimately, it's about Christ coming. And Father, help us to, to recognize Christ in our life. Help us to submit to Him daily, Father. Lord, may we, during this time of the year, Lord, help us to, to focus on the, uh, the true meaning of Christmas, which is Christ with us, Lord. Help us to, uh, to not focus on other things. And may we find joy in just focusing on Christ. Lord, if anyone who does not know you, Lord, may they, may they speak to someone today. Lord, may they take this time to, uh, to recognize the, the seriousness of the, of the situation if they're away from Christ. And may they come to you by faith. Christ, and we pray. Amen. Thank you for tuning in today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast if this message has been helpful to you. Again, if you have any questions, go to our website for our contact information, and we'll see you next time.